I think the highest leverage thing is just basically believing in something. I truly believe in building public. I'm not joking about it. I truly believe mm. in it. Mm. And I, as much as I can, I put my skin in the game and exemplify it, right? And very publicly do it. I think it's terribly important to insist on individual values. Learning culture podcast. Initiative, creation, all these things which we value now possible to make organizations on a larger scale than was ever possible before. Learning Culture Podcast. Teach people to analyze the kind of things that are said to them. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Learning Culture Podcast. I am your host, Andrew Barry. This is a show about creating cultures of continuous learning inside companies. And joining me today is Kartik Puvada better known as KP. KP is a no-code builder, community leader, writer, podcast host, angel investor, and growth advisor for startups. In the last five years, he's built an audience of 20,000 people on the internet while shipping more than 10 no-code projects. He's gained accidental popularity as the build-in-public guy. And ever since that, he has published thousands of tweets on the topic to help founders and creators leverage this framework and build an audience on the internet. His Build in Public podcast is an interview show where KP chats with ambitious founders and creators about building in public. His Build in Public newsletter features prolific creators who are taking an audience-first approach to building products. Our conversation traverses philosophy all the way to practical application in an incredibly rich exploration of this concept of building in public. There isn't anybody out there that I've met who understands and can talk about so eloquently the idea than KP. You'll learn how he used the idea of building in public to land his dream job, how to play the infinite game, how to play the iteration game, and what it means to get in the path of learning. KP packages his years of experience in our conversation into useful lessons for those getting started and those exploring this world of building in public. This episode delivers on what you expect and gives you so much more. So please sit back and enjoy my episode with KP. KP, what's up, man? Welcome to the show. Thank you so much, Andrew. Glad to be here. So this is going to be a lot of fun. We've worked together. We've become we've become friends on the internet, and it's been very cool to learn. And I think today I'm going to get to learn and everybody listening more about how you became the, as you, in your words, the accidental building public guy. On a personal level, mm. on a deeply personal level, you know, if you escape too much into the future or you're stuck too much in the past missing out the present and you're yeah. it's very hard for you to be happy in that case you know yeah. but if you really are like a lot of people sometimes ask a lot of people ask my dms like how many people do you think you've reached like what's a new center, new center subscriber accounts uh, or what's your children mm. i think the answer there is i don't care how many you know mm. and this is a this is i'm like borrowing the language from like one of the, my favorite interviews from um uh, fred rogers on charlie mm. rose where he talks about mr rogers you know america's favorite. yeah yeah and he talks about, like, I don't care how many people have impacted. It doesn't matter. At the end of the day, that's not going to be on my tombstone. Like, no one's going to say KP had 4,000 followers. Who gives a fuck, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. But it's about being in the moment, one-to-one, yeah. with the person that I'm being here today with mm-hmm. and connecting with them, right? And if you can do this over and over and over and over again, suddenly you've lived a fulfilling, beautiful, you mm-hmm. know, other-oriented life. Mm-hmm. What more there is to life than that? 
And people will talk about that because of the way you impacted them and you'll get all that success and, and everything else that just comes to you because others are doing exactly. that for you. Exactly. And, and you have to really believe and trust in the inherent goodness of people. Mm. And I think that's also probably a little bit goes into like my meditation, the journaling practices. You really, really yeah. have to believe that if I put out good stuff, content, video, audio, tweets, mm. newsletter, there is a karmic value to it, even if it's not apparent in the moment. That's why mm. sometimes that's the trick, right? You have to remember that I'm doing this and it's impacting one person somewhere out there in South Africa. And that's okay for me today. Yeah. But also realizing that maybe that person will unlock a massive opportunity, you know, three months down the line for me. Yeah. I love that. I'm going to write down some of the stuff you're saying. It's so good. This is fantastic. Uh, so I, to get sort of technical for a second, what was your process back then for like figuring out how to use all this no code stuff? How did, like, how did you learn it? So I, I've done a series of experiments. I mean, one, one of the first things I, I, I did was if I remember correctly, I, I went to Webflow. Actually, the first thing I did was learn what the hell Airtable was because everybody mm. was about it. And I was like, what is Airtable? So I spent some time on YouTube, like figuring out the demos and the tour. Mm. And I understood, okay, this is how Airtable works. And man, like what, what a crazy obvious thing now it is, you know, in our yeah. life, Airtable is like, how do you not, was there a time <laughs> in my life where I did not know what Airtable was and how it right. worked? There was. Yeah. yeah. That crazy. just only tells you like everything that you think is wow, crazy and like amazing, astonishing someone's doing it today. Mm. They had to learn it like a yep. kid, you know? So it's like yep. super Every humbling. Right? And everything and everything is figure outable. Figure outable. Like it seemed yeah. at the time like, what is this thing? It's so complicated. And now it's like yeah. second nature. I, I have an incredible example, uh, anecdote on that one, like with Bubble, which is one mm. of my hardest um, learning curves on 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 uh, no code, especially as a non technical person. Mm. Um, I'll, I'll get to it in a second. So I went to YouTube, watched a bunch of tutorials, picked up Airtable. Uh, I learned something called Table Two Site at the time, which is what helped me. That tool and Airtable helped me go live with this project called do things at downscale.com. And I would every day, I think I would spend like five, 10 minutes on YouTube. Mm. And I think here's one of the other things too, that is so wild An intentional 10 minutes on YouTube a day in three, four months will drive massive outcomes compared yeah. to binge watching or casual mindless watching of four hours a day or three hours a day. Mm -hmm. Even 10 minutes a day. I don't want to bullshit and say like, oh yeah, I was like dedicated. I was not dedicated. <laughs> I was only doing 10 minutes a day. That's nothing, yeah. you know? Yeah. I kept building stuff though. Like every time I would watch something on this window on, on YouTube, I would be like, okay, yeah. open a new window, open a tab. And yeah. Let's yeah. build something with it, you know? Bias for action. Yeah. But the, 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 my whole focus has always been about how can I apply it? Yeah. Not so much about like, I know these frameworks. I don't care. I mean, nobody cares. Yeah. Right? You have no. to apply it. Yeah. So that was how, and, and there was a certain point I re kind of maxed out on this self-education like teaching myself on the internet and then realized like, you know what, maybe I need to, I need to buy a course, but I was too cheap at the time. <laughs> yeah. course, you know, talking to the yeah. course. But I was like, dude, it's so funny, man. Like life's so funny. I'm so blessed now. I'm saying this on public and podcast. I'm like, now when I pay shit, I don't even think about it. Yeah. Thanks to all the, you know, everything around me, but I'm like, yeah. I just buy because I, now I value my time more than money. Yep. But yep. 2018 KP valued, way more you know money than <laughs> money right? so i would like nickel and dime like try to like apply coupons but oh my god it's just so yeah, yeah, yeah. wow see if you can find it on reddit <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, i'm like yeah. 
so humbling though, you know, but yeah. so, but so I, I remember waiting until Thanksgiving uh, on a Udemy course because I know Thanksgiving does Thanksgiving. Yeah, like, does like this Friday and yeah, yeah, yeah. Practice, <laughs> yeah. And I bought a cheap course on Bubble mm-hmm. uh, and one of these sites. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that one, I was dedicated. This one, I was like, okay, you know what? Uh, you can't just wing it with Bubble. You have to really put time in it and really do something with it. So I thought, I'm just going to like take this course like every day. And I remember every day at Delta in the cafeteria next to Starbucks in, in, mm-hmm. in Atlanta, I would go 30 minutes early to work mm. so that I would spend the 30 minutes in the cafe, you know, with my laptop on and watching these YouTube tutorials. And I had a notebook and I would like literally take notes, pause what they were saying, take notes. It's because it was hard for me, I assumed the position of a slow learner, you know, mm. although like growing up, I was a very quick learner and all that. But in some instances, like in this case with Bubble, with like new concepts like APIs, I I was slow. I mean, I was not getting it. So I slowed down, really slowed down. And again, again, going back to giving yourself grace, right? Yeah. If I judge myself thinking, man, this is so hard. Like, why is it being so hard? Not meant for me. Move on. I don't think I would have had any, you know, success with Bubble or anything later. But I slowed down and I spent 40 days learning Bubble. But not just learning. The first seven, eight days, I got the basics and then I started applying it. So I built a Bubble project called Writer's Compound, which had a grand total of 42 users. Mm Mm-hmm. And this was like big victory back then. And I built it all by myself. And it was basically like a replica of Medium where people could like write as compound. People could go yeah. and post their drafts and other people would like leave comments or something. Oh, man. And it's a shitty idea. I mean, it's like... A, no, a, I think that's a great idea. <laughs> was like a, you know, like an idea that I needed for, to get by there. Yeah. But I remember uh, applying, you know, consistently the, 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 the course of action and, uh, you know... <laughs> And, yeah. and, and get into to a point where I felt that I had a pretty decent grasp on Bubble. Yeah. The funny thing, though, is a month later, I built Kappa. I, I mm. moved on to something called Kappa. Mm. I had 600 users on day one or something. What? Yeah. Things compound, right? Yeah. And I reused everything I used for Iris Compound, the Bubble project, into this. Incredible. That Incredible. is the real ROI. But I didn't, of course, I couldn't have seen that, you know, in the yeah. early on. So, yeah. That's that's phenomenal. It's just go like just trust the process, go through it. Like you don't know what the value of something is going to be. Yeah, you know, starting out. Like you've just got to, you've just got to. And so a couple of other things. I think you you followed your curiosity. You were intentional and self directed about your learning. You did experiments. I mean, just so many great lessons in all of that. Yeah, you just yeah. there's like an osmosis. Like you're absorbing all of yeah. that by and being driven by your curiosity. Yeah, and there were a couple of points in that in that journey, especially the bubble park. Where I was like stuck and I was like, I, you know, this feels it's because, you know, with even with the um, async content like Udemy, um, yeah. there are some things that the teacher can't cover or won't cover because of whatever reasons. And you're like, man, that's a knowledge gap. What, what do mm-hmm. we do? So I remember pinging, I think I remember pinging, again, building public public. I remember posting on Twitter. Yeah. And one of the, one of my followers, like, I think I only had a thousand, but like they DM me and who's such a kind person who said went above and beyond and said, I can teach you this. It's a developer turn, no quarter. Mm-hmm. Um, and I met him in person. What a, what a fantastic st- uh, way to like connect. Right. Cause this mm-hmm. guy, after two years, I invited him at on deck to be one of this, one of the fireside speakers, <laughs> cool. he was a company, a FinTech company raised almost a million dollars and uh, all on bubble. Amazing. So he became a success story. And, yeah. and he was one of my first tutors, you know, and yeah. he did it with his kindness, you know, showed me how to. Yeah. So, uh, just, it's like, it's, I love that. 
and, and I mean, other people, I, I think a lot of people here, generally, if you're on the, per- the path of learning, so many people want to help you. And it, it's that, that is the one secret I wish the 2011 KP knew. Yeah. That get in the path of learning, not opinions yeah. or all this, all these other things, like not yeah. self Barca syndrome. Can I do it? Not, nobody, nobody knows if we can do it or can't do it. But yeah. get on the path of learning because once you're on the path of learning, there's so many people who are willing to come and help you. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's such, such a good, uh, such good advice. I also, I look at it from the other side, from that guy who offered to help you. And I say this to anybody who wants to, to create a course is that guy learned so much from helping you, Thank right? You. Yeah. He, he started to fill in gaps that he didn't, that he saw you were struggling with. And like, so there's also so much value to that. Just go out there and offer to help people one-on-one. Yeah. Like you yeah. learn so much. I mean, now he's, he raised a million dollars for a company phenomenal such a such I mean, a cool story yeah i think um james clear talks about this all the time it's like when one teaches to learn right yeah when, yeah when he's teaching exactly. like a lot of it is he's synthesizing his own understanding of the concept so he's learning too yeah so yeah totally totally so uh, the next the next great story is i'm going to so you've written an incredible blog post on it which we'll link in the show notes so people can go into the details but I'm going to read through kind of the the highlights of it and then get you to like reflect on it and we'll draw out some of the lessons in it because I think it's it's so cool because it's so you basically took what you were doing this you know creating 10 no code projects something over, over a period of few years building it in public you went from you said like in the hundreds something of Twitter and to like when was and I'm saying like where you decided I'm going to go and announce on Twitter that I'm looking for a job I think I had about like 2600 or something followers okay. then I went okay. from like so 250 or something. Yeah. So yeah. to so still also still fairly fairly modest in terms of um the, the reach there. So you, you you announced on Twitter, you're like, I'm gonna go all in and this building public thing, I'm going to like say that I'm I'm looking for jobs and this the time the visas were all sorted out and now you had this opportunity. The bat signal was answered way <laughs> beyond your expectations. You saw you had one particular interview that was for a company called On Deck for an operations associate role. You interviewed for it. You realized after doing sort of the take-home assignment that you that it just wasn't right for you. It was more focused on like the actual no-code stuff as opposed to like teaching, which I think you said was like one of your passions. And so anyway, that went on. You had some more offers come in. And then On Deck approached you very quickly after that saying, hey, we've just launched this new thing. It's called On Deck Labs. We're going to launch programs around these new sort of creator economy and, and other you know pop-up verticals and ideas. And no-code was one of them. And they offered, and I think offered in public to, to, for you to join that. At that time, you also had, I think you said like 13 serious job leads, I think three actual solid offers that you were considering. So an incredible sort of thing. And there's just, there's so much more in the blog post. So I definitely want to encourage people to check that out. First question on that. Why did you decide to join a startup instead of founding one yourself? That's a great question. Um, I mean, I, I think I kind of, have some language in the blog post itself to answer this. And uh, that's the kind of, that's exactly the question even I think uh, Eric asked me in my interview. Like, <laughs> Why are you joining on deck? You could just start a company. And I think, so one thing that's been a theme of my cha- last chapter of my life, I would say like the last two, three years of my life has been like incredible radical self-awareness, you know, knowing that I'm a student of life. I'm like, I'm, st- I'm on the path of learning. I learned by doing things. Um, and, the iteration game, right? I, I don't mm-hmm. need to, I don't need the trophy in 96. Mm-hmm. I'll come and see you in 99, like MJ came back after retirement. So I'm like, just <laughs> having this massive patience around, it's okay. Yeah. I'm just like, 
early in the game. You know, it's, it's yeah. a long way. You know, Warren Buffett was a billionaire at 65 or something. So it's like, yeah. I think, so I, what I've realized um, at, at, the, at the juncture of my life, just before on deck, I was doing cup up mm. and um, I was doing another job for a visa, but like I was mostly, I did a bunch of pitches. I had a lot of inbound interest for Kappa because it grew into a 2000 people community. There's so many people interested in like community became hot 2020. But I've realized quickly that um, I really had no freaking clue how tech startups work. Mm-hmm. I knew about them from from afar, from movies and TV and like maybe a friend or two here and there, but I really had no network. Right? Mm-hmm. And, and network, not just like, you know, emails and, you know, not that stuff. I mean, like, I really just don't know the inside workings of a rocket ship. Mm. And I have always been a firm believer that if I build something as a tech startup, I want it to be a freaking rocket ship. Mm. I want to go for the fences. Like, I'm not going to, you know, do a single there, right? I'll do all the singles ahead and yeah. go spin for the fences. So I said, like, what would be a strategic move for me to do to fill mm. those gaps? Mm. Um, the gaps around, like, what, why is there this talk about 100 million ARR in an early stage pitch? Every pitch I went to, people were like, show me your path to 100 million ARR, KP. And I'm like, why is everybody talking? Because nobody <laughs> writes about those things, right? Because mm-hmm. if you see Uber's pitch deck, there's like, they don't talk about those things. And so mm-hmm. I was like, what is going on? So I didn't understand the Zeitgeist. I didn't understand mm-hmm. um, the TAM. Like, how do you calculate TAM? And just conviction. I didn't have the conviction. Yeah. I had a lot of community strength. I, I think I was like quick learner, you know, resourcefulness, but... Really yeah. didn't understand anything, especially being in Atlanta, gave me a massive, I would say, disadvantage in one way mm-hmm. because it's not Silicon Valley. The five mm-hmm. people around me here are not angel investors. Yeah. <laughs> like to impart wisdom and like to rub off, you know, any of those yeah, yeah. experiences. So my 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 answer was it was very apparent to me that I had a very clear knowledge gap. I needed to go join a rocket ship to understand the functioning, especially getting at the ground floor so I can see the mess too. I can see the mm-hmm. good, the bad, ugly like the conviction, the belief, the radical belief and all that. And so my final three picks were all startups in my mm-hmm. job offers. And one of them is a little late stage, but OnDeck was the only one that was like young and hungry at the time in my picks. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, of course I was like, okay, it makes it. Plus, the, especially I, I iterated a couple of times on the role because I didn't want to get in and suffer inside. I don't yeah. want to go there and then do ops stuff, which I very clearly, again, radical self-awareness, I know that I'm not good at it. Yeah, yeah. Why, why would I go? It's like in the cricket terms, if I'm an opening batsman, why are, me, why are you putting me at number 11? Right? Yeah. Give me the yeah. overs. Give me the <laughs> 50 overs. Right. I'll show you what, what's what. So <laughs> I wanted to be like the opening batsman. And yeah. um, that first role was like meant for a very tactical operational person. I'm like, yeah, it's not for me. you know. And they were surprised. I mean, they were like... Yeah. But we're on deck. And I'm like, yes, I get it. I'm, I'm really a big fan, but it's just, I'm not going to, I don't want to suffer because yeah. here's my objective. And yeah. so in three days, they came back and, you know. And, and with an incredibly thoughtful offer as well, I think you, you, you document that in that post as well. It was, it, was, it was quite amazing. So, I mean, the culmination is just incredible. Like you, you put this out, you, you kind of manifested this into the world and, and like all these offers came in to you and you ended up having these companies that all, you know, wanted you to join and like three of them making these very, very appealing offers. I think you sort of gone into also why you chose on deck and that looking back now, I think has sort of borne out um, a mm-hmm. lot of, of that, of that, that choice. Mm-hmm. Your visions are so similarly aligned to where you, you described like where you were at the time and sort of what, what on deck's yeah. doing now. So I think what I'm most interested in is sort of some of the lessons you've drawn out of this process. Cause I think that the result is there. And like you said, though, still it's like, 
just use baseball this time it's like the third inning right there's still a long way to go in this game for you so what are some other lessons you've learned in in that trajectory of sort of just starting out online like on twitter 200 people to kind of where you were to get that job and sort of where you are now and 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 specifically if you i want to also just this is a very elaborate question but just focus on like how you're balancing working it on deck and also doing your own thing because you you have that freedom as well yeah I think, you know, the advantage of remote work, I don't think a lot of people are really fully fully reflecting on how unbelievably advantageous being at home in remote work is, mm. right? There's still, it's like the early days of code and no code debates. People are like so busy trying to prove the other side that no code works or code works or whatever, that they're missing out that this is the prime real estate time to actually use no code and do something with it. Mm. And the right now, the same thing is going on with, with remote or go back to IRL, the remote or go back. The point is, I don't care. Like if remote is actually working, which I think it is working, mm. just sh- prove it, right? Be the proof of work. Like uh, my, my whole story coming from like nobody in corporate life to nobody in Twitter to being like the PD of No Code Fellowship is proof that No Code works. Literally, yeah. my, my whole portfolio is proof that No Code works, right? Yeah. So my, I, I like to prove things by actually doing them and and you know I mean, if i believe in them and then trying to like you know sit there and have opinions and debates so the same thing i feel with with uh, like everybody whose notion is around oh you can't balance a full-time fully consuming job like a startup job like a rocket ship startup job mm-hmm. and be a dad and be a twitter creator and i'm like yeah i'm your answer yeah call me <laughs> right yeah I'll do it. like i do it that's the answer i don't know how to do it like it's like and, and it's, it's a, uh, how are you optimizing? I'm actually not optimizing it, you know? I'm doing, I mean, today, like I said, like I spent like 45 minutes extra with, with baby Neil. You know, mm-hmm. like my average in the morning is like 30 minutes before I drop him off at his, uh, his grandparents. Mm-hmm. So it's like, uh, it, there's no real optimization engine that I'm like, you know, there's like no master plan. My yeah. master plan is my intuition. You know, am I in the right, am I directionally right in mm-hmm. where I want to be? And can I cut out everything that feels like nice from my, you know, from my life? So I barely watch Netflix. I barely watch, you know, anything. And mm. I have zero commute. Mm. So, and, and that's the same thing. I, if an intentional 10 minutes on Twitter as it compounds after three, four months is way more powerful than trying to like fully grow your audience on Twitter with like no proper strategy and just like mm. trying to like be all in, you know? Mm. All I do, mm. frankly, is I spend 10 minutes in the morning, 10 minutes in the afternoon, 10 minutes in the night. Literally, that's it, 30 minutes. Hmm. And I'm shocked at my own growth. To be honest with you, like I've, I don't want to act like I deserve it. I'm like, I'm like, I actually don't think I deserve it, frankly, because there's so many, <laughs> like, so many better people doing crazy shit, like writing really long ass threads and like really like, <laughs> like, like there's some really intellectual people. I'm not even yeah. intellectual. I'm just a guy, you know, curious yeah. kid. Yeah, yeah. Bigger version of Baby Neil. Like, <laughs> and, and I do it because it's fun. You know, yeah. I do it between like meeting breaks or I do it between like, oh, I'm waiting on Uber Eats. Yeah. Let me just think about it, what would be. And just like how I shared with you the last seven minutes, I didn't plan for them. They came from my heart, mm. you know? So most of my tweets are just like my thoughts coming from my heart. I'm not trying to impress mm. anybody. I'm not trying to, you know, get, get viewed. However, I will tell you though that at, on the weekend, I do spend like an hour, a dedicated intentional hour mm-hmm. setting up two weeks worth um, typefully or um, or Getcher or whatever these apps mm-hmm. basically my old content like I'm playing the same greatest hits like I just mm-hmm. have one hit it's called Brilliant Public so I'm just playing <laughs> the greatest hits 
or no code, right? It's the it's, same it's, thing. They were talking like this funny yeah. stupid about like how um, something about writing. I'm like, David, change the channel, man. Like it's still the same thing. <laughs> but that's because that's that's his story. Like he's yeah. living it, right? Like, yeah. like what else would you talk about? Golf? Like yeah. his entire niche is built on writing. Yeah. So, so I mean, if you just, I mean, all I do is so it's so fascinating how easy it is from my vantage point to what I do in terms of like Twitter and like this. But from the other side of it, you can I can see how it might feel like, oh my God, it's like just spending hours. I'm not toiling away like a slave. Yeah. I'm actually having fun. Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And 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 so what I do is, I mean, I'll give you the tangible playbook, like as as to a point about how I learned. Mm -hmm. I spent an hour on the weekend. I go into my archive, my greatest hits, and I look yeah. at like what's working. And I pick some something that I haven't tweeted in the last six months, mm -hmm. but has some meaning in the current Zeitgeist. If mm -hmm. some, for example, if I said something about crypto eight months ago i would mm. dig that tweet out mm. by searching advanced search crypto and kp right boom mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and then i put it and i spin it and I, all i'm doing now is i'm only doing two or three tweets per day mm -hmm. and scheduling them out nicely you know five days a week for yeah. the next two weeks boom it's over yeah and, yeah and every once in a while between my meetings or like after i had a great call with like this morning i, I spoke with uh, alex who works at gumroad Mm. We we had we went to an interesting uh, rabbit hole about like uh, threads and then then I come out of the meeting and then I just like pull up my phone and just tweet something about it right yeah. so there's still a spontaneity yeah because we're still in the moment but most of it is autoplay yeah you sort of but created it like baseline compounds it looks like my God there's a content team working on it there's nobody yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. So. that's super helpful uh, and I love the idea and each time you you take something old you sort of put like a bit of a new spin on it to yeah, tweak yeah. something yeah yeah. yeah yeah that's super cool so advice for folks getting started like if you could rewind the clock do this whole thing again and sort of you know uh, obviously some lessons you've learned some things that you've learned the hard way that kind of thing um what would that be? And, and a sort of related question. So feel free to pick which one you want to do. Or what are some of the highest leverage things that you've done that you do more of? Well, I think I think I still continue to live my own uh, truth, right? I mean, I think the highest leverage thing is actually being an example of what you preach. Mm. You know, a lot of people have very strong opinions about, you know, you should be we should be doing this as society, we should be doing that as society, and you're like proof of work, like nothing yeah. Yeah, or like very minimal. So. I think the highest leverage thing is just basically believing in something. I truly believe in building public. I'm not joking about it. I truly believe mm. in it. Mm. And I, as much as I can, I put my skin in the game and exemplify it, right? And very publicly do it. And there's clearly some stakes, you know, when I do it. Like when I did Gary Vee's building public, like the ask, yeah. he could have 100% turned me down, turned me into a joke or turned me into like, you know, people could dunk on me or whatever. Of course, I had an intuition that he wouldn't do that, but so so many other people could have done it, right? His mm. fans could have come at me or whatever. Yeah. I mean, my own peers could have seen it as a desperate move, you know? Yeah. yeah. But I also think that I'm not here to please anybody, you know? I, I'm not here. I've come a long way from where I came from. And you know this, Andrew, like I came a long way from a rural town in India without electricity yeah. to please this dang person, you know, yeah. in, in my circle. I'm like, yeah. no, not happening. Not going to happen. But... At the same time, I'm empathetic how it can feel like, wow, you know, it's just, 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 you know, I'm doing more and more ambitious, crazy shit, you know, and I understand like, you know, it can be like, what, how? I think my answer is just, it's just do it. There's no, you know, you don't have to explain and justify it, you know, just mm -hmm. do them. 
And then, so Gary Reeves was like a little scary. So doing scary things. Even Alexis was a little scary. I mean, every, everything is scary. When you're at the edge of your comfort zone, shit's mm. scary. Mm. You know? What do you do Plus, then? Do you like take two steps back and like live in the cocoon or do you push through? Mm. That's where I try to push myself. I'm like, if, I, if, if this week went by and I didn't feel scared or mm. vulnerable about anything in the moment, I haven't tried anything wild. Mm. It's just another week in Kippy's books. It's not worth it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's the advice. I mean, just, and that only compounds, I mean, so to like be patient, you know, on that journey. The, yeah. the, the third part about high leverage things is actually putting your face putting your name, putting your part of your identity online mm. today right. on the internet is the highest leverage thing you can do for your career in tech. Yeah. Maybe not in other industries, maybe not in hospitality or, you know, airspace, you know, maybe data doesn't care, but yeah, <laughs> especially in tech startups, the highest leverage thing. I see a lot of B2C consumer founders. Oh my God, they're sleeping on building public or, or being mm. active and being a co-creator with the audience, you know, mm. in, in, public channels so i yeah. so actually i want to pick up on that last point building with your audience How, yeah. like can you talk more about that because i think that is such a such a key point yeah i mean it's it's so it's co-creating with the audience right and it, and i think it's a very nascent practice and i think it's it's very nascent so I'm, I'm also seeing in practice as i try some of this it feels like there's not many people who are doing this and so there are some some of my audience are like a little surprised and like baffled like is this even like is this is even how it works and i'm like yeah that's how i intended to work i want to create mm -hmm. with you and they're like why do we have a seat at the table i'm mm -hmm. like why don't you want to have a seat? so when i did the swipe file the billion public swipe file launch and i kind of like launched it you know without it feeling like a fully packaged like ready for amazon yeah. you know it yeah. was somewhere between like a packing McCormick essay and a an amazon bestseller it's like yeah. basically somewhere in there right it's like a Substack. And Amazon, you know, yeah. I had a few feelings about things and I consolidated them, synthesized them and shipped them. Boom. You know, mm -hmm. so, and, and I, I put a big label on the top and said, would love to have you uh, drop in comments. And like, you know, I thought of it mentally as a Google Doc mm -hmm. that they would go and like, you know, put notes about stuff and give me feedback. Yeah. The majority of them did, but there was like a big sizable, still like a uh, part of my audience who were like surprised that they're like, why are you asking us for feedback? And I'm like, mm -hmm. what? In 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 startups in product, it's so common to ask for feedback for V one, V two, V three iteration. Totally. I do that all the time in no code, right? Totally. When it comes to I guess course creation or content creation, people are baffled if you ask them for feedback before you publish. Yeah, yeah. they expect like, it to be finished. Yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. like, what do you mean? Like the creator is not like I'm not a know it all. Like I don't know so many things. You tell me what's missing, or mm. I want your input. So. I've learned that it's actually quite a revolutionary new way of doing it, that they're like, they're unable to even like stomach the fact that they have a seat at the table because they assume that the, from the old world, a creator, an artist, whoever is going to a silo on a, on a hill mountaintop and just like draw the sketch or finish his book and then come down with the answer. Mm. As opposed to the way I see the world where the, 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 the artist is sitting uh, at the town center with yeah. the doors open and is drawing, but as the little kid walks by, that person can give input and mm. can define the next iteration of the sketch. Yeah. So yeah. that is like, to me, like a work in progress, build in public, co-create with the audience. Because by the time you do it 15, 14 times, you have mass, a mass to massive, you know, mm. crowd around you, an audience yeah. around you who want to now listen to. And it, 
I, by the way, this is not new. This is done in comedy. Mm, yeah, good point. A lot of the great comics, you know, do a lot of sets in smaller audiences and smaller yeah. bars. But in content and courses, I think it's still like very nascent. And yeah. maybe that's the opportunity. That's so. I that's exactly what I'm doing. You just nailed it. I think that's so true. Like, yeah, people feel like, but, but there are people, luckily for us, that are willing to be those early adopters. They know yeah. that they they they're paying because there's there's skin in the game, but they know that the value of that product is going to be way greater right. in some point right. in the future, and they're getting in early and they're going to help shape it. And that's incredibly right. exciting. It's I think uh, to to back to your. I mean, I'm excited about that that experiment, and so I mean. It, mm. I'm I'm going to be rooting for you and like watching you closely and because that's I think a, it seems like to me it's like a no code level new thing right like yeah. back in 2018 everybody was sleeping on no code and I was like it was obvious to me I'm like guys this this is obvious and yeah. now of course the bubble raises hundred million dollars and everyone's like oh yeah no code's big I'm like that was big for a while right yeah, yeah, yeah. And the same way I feel about these courses and content where the audience is no longer way out there you yeah. know they're like with you you know and so. It's interesting. I'm very curious about it too myself. Yeah. Well, you've gotten you've gotten me way more excited, even more excited than I already am. So thanks for that. Okay, last question. So yep. what are you most excited about in the future of no code, the future of the creator economy? Feel free to pick one or the other. Yeah. What are you excited about for the future? Definitely, I think no code's just hit that mark where we're finally mainstream now, right? Like we're finally relevant to the to the larger conversation in tech. Mm. It's no longer a fringe thing. It's no longer a, a small pocket of people interested in this, but it's now, you know, big money is in no code now, right? So it's very interesting. I'm, I'm, what I want to tap into uh, in the next six to 12 months is actually getting FANG employees or people who work at these, you know, corporate tech companies, right? Mm. Technically, Facebook is a startup, I guess, but also it's a corporate, it's a giant, it's a, Amazon. It's a public company, yeah. Public company. I, I, I think those people haven't heard the gospel yet. Like the, yeah. people, the PMs at Amazon, the PMs at Uber, the, the designers at Facebook haven't heard the no-code gospel yet mm. because they're still waiting on like someone's permission to go mm -hmm. create a side project using Webflow mm -hmm. and Bubble. Like, and I'm like, who are you waiting on? Like this, you know, like, get yeah. joined. And, and also I think maybe part of it is because educational gap you know, maybe we haven't reached that kind of a community yet. So that's what that's what I'm driven about to go talk to some of these places. So if anybody's in the audience want to, you know, chat with me about this, I'd love to talk to your company and like how mm. you can not just leverage no code at work, but also how you can use it as a wedge for your career. Mm. You know, I mean, my story is an example, but like there's so many more. KP, I cannot wait to continue watching you write your autobiography one tweet at a time. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. I appreciate it so much. Thank you so much, Andrew. Hello, hello. I hope you enjoyed that episode. It's Andrew again with a quick message. If you'd like to support the show, the best way to do that is to leave us ratings and reviews where you listened. If you're on YouTube, hit the like and subscribe buttons and feel free to leave a comment. We love hearing from our listeners and viewers. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, please take the time to give us a rating and leave a review. Once again, we love hearing from our loyal listeners. If you're listening to this on Spotify, please hit the follow button to make sure that you don't miss new episodes as they come out. Thank you for listening.